If you're faced with a situation where effectively what you're being asked to do is manage chaos, you have to recognise that you can't control it. Your job is to shape it. It's important to have a clear idea about what you want to achieve. Sometimes you will have to just to not do, do it yourself, but ask people to do it for you. I mean, uh, you cannot build yourself 2,000 latrines that are needed in a refugee camp. So you have to organise it. Many organisations work in a global context and manage people, projects, ideas and resources across boundaries. The boundaries might occur between departments or teams within an organisation, between different organisations or across nations, cultures or geography. For non-governmental organisations, NGOs, involved in humanitarian work, managing across boundaries is central to what they do. Humanitarian emergencies like the 2004 Asian tsunami present the most extreme challenges. Joda Silva, an engineer from Britain, was involved in the international reconstruction effort in Sri Lanka. After the tsunami, I was invited by UNHCR to go and work for them as their senior shelter coordinator. People were in tents, in hospitals, in school buildings, in temple buildings, in makeshift shacks. My job was to um, coordinate and manage the transitional shelter program. Essentially, if you imagine a situation, you've got 500,000 people who have lost their homes, spread out over a thousand kilometers of coastline, um, and you're in a country which normally builds 5,000 houses a year. Working in a post-disaster situation, the task is, is not defined and it needs defining. The way that um, I overcame that was really right at the beginning, holding a meeting. And there were two things. One is establishing a common vocabulary. And that was understanding that it was transitional shelter. It wasn't temporary shelter or semi-permanent shelter or something else. It was one thing and we were all trying to do one thing. We were all working together on one program and we all understood the purpose of that program was to bridge the gap between emergency and permanent. The second, I think, really important thing at that very beginning point was finding my allies. There was no way I was going to manage and coordinate this top down. It needed to be disseminated outwards. And that was find, harnessing the capacity of the big players to help me and help filter out, filter messages down um, in their local regions. In the UK, when you come up against a blockage, it's usually find more people or more money. Um, and you usually can do that. Um, there it's about harnessing local capacity um, and recognising that things are never going to go as fast as you, as, as you want them to and being patient um, and, and just trying to bind the situation together, bind people and relationships together so that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Coordinating the work of government agencies NGOs, private sector organisations and individuals is a common theme in cross-boundary work. Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, is a humanitarian organisation that provides medical assistance to populations in danger in 70 countries. MSF consists of partner sections in 19 countries, five of which are operational, 
which means they recruit and send people into the field. MSF has an international council, but the council has no executive functions. The council upholds MSF's mission, core values and common charter. It also facilitates communication and debate between the MSF partners on medical policy, advocacy and external relationships. This forum is crucial in an organisation made up of so many different nationalities and cultures. MSF Holland is one of the five major operational centres. If you look at the, 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 the mission of MSF or our goal setting, then all 19 are committed to the same uh, mission statement and we are all very clear on why we want to work in certain areas of the world. If you look at how we do things, um, then in Holland there is a tendency to really think in processes, procedures, um, getting some substantial structure in place to make sure it works. Um, the French, as far as I can see, and when I talk to them, are <coughs> they are more on the uh, philosophical level. Um, they are very good, in my opinion, on um, uh, getting the more principled debate on the table. And we always say, if there would be a big crisis in the world, uh, uh, to put it very nasty, the French will go to the newspaper with some kind of jacuzzi and put a big advertisement out or a message. Like, there's something going on and we have to be there, be there, we have to act on our humanitarian impulse. The Dutch will probably have a meeting, start planning how many people should be there. And that, that, that's a bit of a very uh, black-white division between the two uh, sections. MSF is not a competitive movement, I think. Uh, we, we really try to work and cooperate and there is a sort of development that we all evolve in the same direction. But at the same time, there are cultural differences. There are op uh, uh, absolute differences about uh, how we feel internationally we should be governed, uh, if that is more central or more decentral. Uh, in Holland we think we should be more decentralized, so uh, we want to have more authority to decide certain things ourselves. Médecins Sans Frontières not only has to cross cultural divides within its operational and partner sections, the Dutch office also deploys at least 1,000 international volunteers in field missions every year and employs about 8,000 national staff in those countries. Different approaches to employment make this a complex task. The basic problem or complex issue is that even if you think that people from the Western world are all the same, you already start making mistakes. Um, so the people we get from Germany working for us already from a different cultural background than people from Holland. Uh, that of course gets more complex if you uh, have people from uh, Afghanistan as a doctor working for us in an African country. And um, I think for a big part of the HR issues are that we are totally organized or for a big part organized as a Western organization. So our, the way we do our recruitment, the way we think about uh, labor contracts, the way we think about um, job evaluations, it's all according to Western standards. MSF is a medical emergency organization, but it doesn't only employ medics. A large number of people provide logistical support. Given the pressures of their work, the two groups can't allow boundaries to develop between them. We always say yeah, you have uh, more or less two important uh, parts in the work of MSF Holland. That is, of course, the medical part. That is the medical people who are uh, doing the real work with the beneficiaries and the patients. But for, to be able for them to do their work uh, as a medical person, the, everything around it, uh, to assure that they have the materials to work with, that the team has a place to live in, 
that uh, materials are getting in in time in the missions. All of that is logistics. You need to set very clear expectations, especially around uh, performance and outputs, and be consistent. Um, I think some people think that because they're doctors or whatever, that they can work without any supervision or guidance. But to me it's the same as if, as if you're working on the road and, and have to build a new bridge. Everybody's got to have the idea that you're building the bridge. And with a doctor you might not have to tell them exactly what technique they need to use, but you need to make sure that you're building the same bridge. For me it's all about team management. Uh, and one of the most important things is that whether it's a large team or a small team, you have to be able to work with each other, to live with each other, to communicate with each other. I mean, there are only drugs in a cupboard if they are ordered. And that's not the task of the medical person, it's the task of the logistician. Uh, but the logistician can only make the order if he knows from the medical person what he needs and, how m and, and, and the amounts of, of material he needs. MSF often enters emergency situations at short notice, crossing many boundaries to deploy people and equipment. Expats sent to field missions generally work on short contracts. This presents its own problems. We are an emergency organisation, so by definition we go into places where we haven't worked before quite often, or even if we've worked there before it will be a different site, a different uh, geographical location in the country. Um, and we have a fairly short-term perspective. It's sometimes complicated because uh, we work with a lot of a lot of staff, quite a high turnover. So sometimes continuity or liaising with people is uh, is difficult because uh, they might not know what ha has happened before. Most people, on average, will spend between nine and twelve months on a mission. Um, most of them will only go out once or twice. So you can guess that eighty percent of the staff we have in the field have maximum experience of one and a half year in doing this work. That means that you can't just relate on their experience. You have to make sure that standard operational procedures, standard processes, and also some toolkits are in place. Standardised equipment and procedures help new staff to get to grips with unfamiliar situations. This is one of the ways that MSF manages its work across boundaries. But alongside its protocols, MSF values innovation and flexibility. The organisation looks for new ideas from its staff and invites them to challenge its assumptions. It's a bit schizophrenic because on the one hand we have a lot of people who aren't very experienced, so we have a lot of protocols and guidelines and how to do it kind of manuals. On the other hand we want people to say, but you know, I can use this antibiotic at home, why can't I use it in Sudan? Um, so there is a balance there. And I guess what we try and tell people is have a look around, see what's going on, you know, learn a bit. But yeah, continue to challenge us about what's going on. We encourage people uh, to, to innovate uh, and to become more efficient and explore probably unexpected, uh, unexpected routes. And I think that's very much built in, in the organisation and that's also part of the existence of MSF. Uh, we, we have to innovate uh, to adapt to uh, the outside world because it's con constantly changing. Uh, not one disaster or earthquake is similar to the other, so you have to. And demands on us from the outside world, accountability, governance, are also changing. So there you see that yeah, you have to ad adapt the organization to that. 
Part of being a creative and responsive organization is collecting experiences gained by staff when they return from missions and making use of their ideas. We always are debriefing logisticians coming back from the field. So uh, anybody who asks for his mission, whether it's a short or a long mission, uh, they, we are talking with them here in the office just to debrief them on their experiences. What have they um, found out? Uh, what kind of problems have they encountered? Uh, the ideas for innovation can come from the field, but the implementation and the driven forward of, of innovation is based on in headquarters. High staff turnover means that innovations must be fed back to missions from the operational centres. But there is continuity in MSF's fieldwork, and much of it comes from national staff in the host countries. One of the factors in continuity, I think, is also the role of our national staff. Um, in countries. Um, often they do have more of a sense of what's been going on in the project and certainly local knowledge of the culture and the context, um, but often they aren't in the decision-making positions. But I mean it's one thing that we always say to first mission expatriates is, you know, learn from the staff that have been there because they will know a lot more than you do. MSF recruits volunteers with the necessary professional or practical expertise. Even so, on a first mission, staff can be ill-prepared for the difficulties they're faced with on the ground. By its nature, humanitarian work is uncertain. Things are changing rapidly. Uh, you might have dramatic changes either in your capacity to help in terms of funding, or the situation might change. Uh, very rapidly, so uncertainty is a part of humanitarian work. And the pressure to save lives can lead to strained relationships during the early stages of a project. Building teams is a major challenge. It is very difficult. Uh, the reason is, as I say, people will be working together for the first time, and the emphasis in the early days in emergencies inevitably falls on activities, on action, on getting things done. And what that means is that the, 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 the individual and the team suffer. The individual finds themselves that they're not, they're not getting the attention, the support they needed. There is constant pressure on them to act. And the team might not have even really formed. And, and also with the constant changeover of staff, you'll find that not only do you, the, the team needs to be formed, it needs to be reformed frequently as there are changes in staff. This means that the organisation also looks for certain personal qualities and behaviours amongst its staff. Yeah, one of the main things is to take time. So not come in and think you know it all and seen it all and start pulling out uh, files of, uh, out of cupboards and things like that. But really uh, yeah, be on the ground, take a lot of time uh, to talk to people. I've learned to, to listen quite a lot, uh, especially to national staff, and try to um, build a, a relation with them which is not one that is like from an authoritarian or a more directive uh, viewpoint but really like taking in information. One of the top list criteria on which we recruit people, people uh, should be flexible and flexible uh, not translated as they are willing to work hard or that kind of stuff and normally you see if people are flexible it means they are willing to work two hours longer than the normal uh, time in, in our line of work. That, that's uh, it's 24 hours a day you are working for this organization. Um, it means that people, when they are in the field, they always have to start 
reflecting on themselves. What is my behavior expressing to other people? How can I change my behavior if it's not effective? How do I make sure I find people in my surroundings to give me feedback when I have to change something? Communication and knowledge sharing are vital when managing across boundaries. But with MSF's inevitably high staff turnover, this can be a challenge. Well, I guess there's communication and there's information flow. I think, um, you know, compared to when I first went to the field uh, 10 years ago plus, um, there's an amazing array of information and information technology to use. It's rather perhaps that we send too much information sometimes. With that, we haven't developed very sophisticated ways of managing that information. And also, I think sometimes we assume that because an email has been sent, that something's actually been communicated. And of course, that's not communication. For me, it's also important to consider that we have a very high turnover of staff. And so we have to be realistic. We know we're going to have to repeat ourselves a lot. And we try and take advantage of every opportunity to make sure that we can get people updated. MSF is also taking steps to improve its knowledge management. Uh, we are at this moment busy for figuring out a way of getting our information management much better in place. Uh, there is a project called the Memory Project. That's just somebody interviewing people in the different countries where we have worked and writes down whatever happens. Uh, it's almost like an, uh, I call it an, uh, a journal for every day or every year. These are the main things what happened, this is how it worked. Uh, that also means if people go to a country, they can just, for example, take the one on Afghanistan or on uh, uh, Angola and see what in all these years happened there. The complexities of managing across boundaries can have an impact on efficiency. But MSF's ethos of providing medical help to people in danger means that cost effectiveness is not always a primary consideration. We have a... At the, in the home society, obviously, there is an accountability towards our donors. I mean, they have to know uh, what their, their money is being used for and how, how we spend the money and that we do it in, an, in, a, in a useful manner and as efficient as possible. And although we also say sometimes we d we're not even that efficient uh, because also we have to make choices uh, to be somewhere sometimes fast or uh, sometimes it's rather inefficient to do an emergency relief operation. Uh, it's a difficult message, but I think we, we managed to, to bring it. MSF works across many and diverse boundaries. As an organisation, it embodies flexibility and commitment. And it bridges the divides it encounters through its shared values and a culture of debate, openness and clarity of purpose.